0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture and Fandom News. And I'm very excited because I have not one, but two co-hosts of two fabulous podcasts with me today, Carla from Bed, Wet and Echelle from Liberty Diner Dish. I don't think Echelle has been on since I made her watch a movie about frogs falling from the sky. Also known as Magnolia <laughs> which which she liked, so we are still friends, so <laughs> it did not end our friendship at all. It just enhanced our friendship. Yes, she's nodding, so she does agree with me there, but I'm very excited to have both of them on uh, to kick off February and to talk about fandom news this week and when we get into our main topic, I do have a poll that we did on both Instagram and Twitter, and so I have the results of that. Uh, so first, as we always start these weeks up this these Wednesday episodes, excuse me, I am going to start with asking Carla, what is one thing in pop culture that you are grooving on right now?
1: Well, dig this. Currently, I am grooving on. <laughs> I thought this was the direction that you wanted me to take this in, so I'm just trying to like. Oh, no, you're following with my your flow. <laughs> a little bit of like Bob Dylan voice, yeah, <laughs> and a little bit of like scat rat. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Back to the po- poetry night that I want to get to.
1: <laughs> yes, this <laughs> yes, week, cats, we're going to talk about a movie that is very groovy called the banshees of any yeah
0: (laughs) that really fits
1: yeah (laughs) i know right it just very smoothly seamlessly fits my voice right there it's like oh absolutely perfect um but it was something that Aaron has been talking about for a bit has talked about how much she and her mom love Colin Farrell's acting in this and just Colin Farrell in general. Then a whole tangent on Colin Farrell being amazing and so super, super hot. Can't disagree, but that's not the point. I did not watch it because Colin Farrell is super, super hot. I watched it because it looked interesting. And it was more than interesting. It was completely fascinating. I fell down this massive rabbit hole of looking up, the history of the Irish civil war and then the troubles and just everything that gave context to this movie, because the movie itself within it, the civil war is kind of as, as a backdrop. Like they don't really isn't really immersed in the war, but it's going on in their background. And it's uh, where, where the movie takes place is this fictional island called Inishirin off of the mainland Ireland, which is also an island. So maybe that's not a mainland either. Anyway, who cares about geography? (laughs) The point is that even though the movie, even though the war is going on in the background, a lot of what happens in the movie mirrors what's going on between Northern and um, Southern Ireland. And it's done in a very clever way. It's so touching and also so disturbing. There are a lot of things that you're just like, why would this person do that? What in the freaking hell? And all of the, the actors who were nominated for awards absolutely deserve these nominations. They were fantastic. Colin Farrells, I've already mentioned. Um, Brendan Gleason, Barry, whose last name I refuse to try to pronounce because I will completely butcher. It's K E O G H. I think they actually pronounce it Keegan or something like that. That's what I've heard,
0: but I could be totally wrong. Sorry.
1: That's entirely possible. I mean, like, you know, when you think of of the name Siobhan, I mean, and you look at how it's spelled, it's not intuitive to a lot of us, but speaking of Siobhan, she's played by Carrie Conlon, who was fantastic. I think that um, she and Barry were the, kind of unsung heroes of this of this movie like when, when you watch the movie which you will i'm sure based on this amazing glowing recommendation that i'm giving it it'll all make sense to you you will go and watch it and be like wow carla was so right about everything she said and now everything she said makes so much more sense than now that i'm listening to it and not having watched the movie so you're welcome for having watched the movie after you listen to me you can send me prizes and thank you notes via aaron
0: Via me. <laughs> yes, and it was nominated for a total of nine um Oscars, so nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Screenplay, Best Director, Best all four performances, all four well, they're not the only performances, of course, but the four main performances are all nominated. And I just want to say that when Carla messaged me and said she had seen this movie. And then, you know, told me how much she
1: loved it. And then I bombarded her with TikToks. Because uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I did. But only, don't worry, it was only the TikToks that were going to make my heart cry. <laughs> well, because why should I experience joy?
0: Except for the what about Jenny and her
1: support donkey, Rosie. Yeah, oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Again, this will all make sense once you watch the movie. And then you'll be like, Wow. This is amazing. I'm going to have to listen to this podcast episode all over again, just so that I can relive the wonder when I first heard about the movie.
0: Yes, yes. I, and, I mean, I've talked about it before. And I am um, supposed to be going to Ireland end of October. So, yes, that will change a few things with our horror trivia event. And I am expecting, both my sister and I are expecting, that Colin Farrell will be there to show us around. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Naturally, of course. <laughs> Isn't that what he does? Where everybody goes in business? I think it's a tour package that is offered. So I'm pretty sure. I mean, Yeah, we are going yeah. with a special tour group. So uh, yeah, this he's, is probably the one. He's, yeah, it he's yeah. leading it. He's leading it. Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> Checks out. Checks out for me.
1: He's you know, like so, so many, so many actors do cameo. He does tours of Ireland. It, it just, it's a perfectly natural extension of celebrity.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: Why yes, not? Yeah. Celebrities have to diversify their portfolios too. <laughs> and so they've got to offer a wide range of services. So, exactly. Cool yes. Yeah. Definitely makes sense. <laughs>
1: I mean, it, you know, good offers aren't raining down upon them 24 7. They got to do something else with that free time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also expecting, though, because my name, Aaron, means Ireland. You know, you hear Aaron go bra, all that stuff. So I'm expecting to get a lot of stuff for free too, because <laughs> I'm sure that's the way it
1: works. Naturally, they, they have a whole thing. I mean, I don't know if anybody has been missing these promotions that they've been doing, like, you know, in all these hidden channels. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of exclusive. Maybe that's why you haven't seen it. Maybe I'm just cooler than you. I'm sorry to tell you. But they have these things where, like, you see it and it's like, if your name is Aaron and you go to Ireland, everything is free.
2: <laughs> I, I've seen those and I was like, dang, it's so close. You know, it starts with an A, e, but it's just not the... <laughs> Right, exactly. In with the rand. So,
1: So, but see, like you, you could actually change your name, kind of easily, you know. Like Carla, nothing to do with Aaron. So I'm, I'm stuck.
0: Aww. (laughs) (laughs) like like, this is a real
1: (laughs) I love how you dive headfirst into my little fantasy (laughs) worlds.
0: I do, man. I'm like <laughs> Some of the fantasies are going to be reality, like the rom-com for Christian Bale and the John Munchkin yes. movie for Christian Bale. This is probably not a reality, but <laughs> probably not. It's not a reality, Aaron. <laughs> so, Ishael, save me from my fantasy life and
2: tell me what you're grooving on. Yeah. So, I am grooving on – okay. I have to say a couple things here. So, Let me start by saying I'm grooving on these like James Baldwin interviews that I'm finding on the Internet. I don't want to tell you guys how old I was when I found out James Baldwin is a black man. because I just heard the name Baldwin and assumed it was like the Baldwin that Cher is talking about in Clueless. it It was a it was. Pretty recent. Great grandfather of (laughs) Alec and (laughs) Steven. Of (laughs) course. So it was pretty recent that I learned that James Baldwin is a a black man. But um, anyway, so I am loving watching these like old interviews of him talking about race during that time. Just his experience as a black author. He doesn't speak specifically about him being a gay black author, but that is a component of it, too. And so he's just very insightful in just the way that he uses words and the way that he articulates himself and is very assertive and sits across from these white male ho- hosts and says, this is what it's like to be me in America. And this is the side of it that you're not seeing. And um, I'm just like, there's such a wealth of knowledge from um, these forefathers who did all these different things. And something else with him that I'm learning is, you know, now we say the phrase pick a struggle as a joke, but really for him who was a Black man and also was a gay man, he really did have to kind of pick which of those identities he was going to be most public about because there were things in Black movements that didn't really make space for him to be a gay man. And so it was really like you have to kind of pick which of these, which part of you you're going to be and which one you're going to fight for. And so that's just been very fascinating uh, to me. So I recommend it if you've got a little bit of extra time. Um, yeah, just find one of those on YouTube and listen to, to one of his interviews. Yeah. Awesome. Both
0: of you had awesome, awesome things. Mine is not as awesome.
1: <laughs> it's not. I mean, I was like, what am I going to choose? Because I watched... Um, well, tell us what it is first, and then we can, we can judge lovingly.
0: I- <laughs> of course. So there is another new horror movie. I know I should change things up, but it's me, so I'm not going to. Called Sick, and it is a new movie co-written by Kevin Williamson, who, of course, created Scream. And Dawson's Creek, (laughs) which I always like to remind people of that. They just go hand in hand. They do. They go hand in hand. I actually have been watching, rewatching Dawson's Creek. And yeah, go listen to our episode covering Dawson's Creek. But it was also written by uh, Caitlin Crabb. And I just been pointing that out because no one has mentioned that at all. So I'm going to point it out. Uh, Directed by John Himes. And this is, uh, it takes place during the beginning of the pandemic. And due to the pandemic, Parker and her best friend decide to quarantine at the family lake house alone, or so they think. And so, um, you know, I kept hearing from people that I respect in this genre, that work in this genre, and people that I respect, that this was an amazing horror film. It's on Peacock right now, by the way. And so I'm sitting down watching it. I'm like, this is just a typical slasher. I, I It's fun. It's enjoyable. I'm still not sure how I feel about things being set in the pandemic, but it's fun. It's a, it's a interesting time to place it in because of different limitations that it sets on things. And also different fears that are added on top of being, you know, hunted down by a slasher, by a serial killer. But then it takes a turn. That's all I'm going to say. And I, and I'm only saying that because if you're going to, if you're watching it and you're like, what, I don't get it. I do not understand it. And then when the turn happens, you're like, oh, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. It's a quick watch. I really liked uh, the two leads, Gideon Adlin and Bethlemy Million, who play Parker and Miri, who are the two friends. And so I liked that. I always like when you see two female characters in horror films kicking butt and then also being really good friends. And that helps, too. So once again, that is on Peacock. And I do recommend it for horror fans, which I am one of those, obviously. I don't know why I had to add that in there, but I did. My brain's not working either. (laughs) Oh, man. My two panelists are like, they're just shaking their heads. Like, why did I come on today again?
1: (laughs) We're we're all, I don't know if, you know, there's a planet in Gatorade, but we're all a little loopy today.
0: (laughs) I have to think about that one. I don't know.
1: That one was for the astrology intellectuals out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next up. <laughs> okay, now I wanna know, Carla, what one thing in pop culture or fandom news or stuff are you excited about, thrilled about, gonna throw chairs about?
1: I don't know my chairs, but...
0: You're gonna jump up and down on the couch like Tom Cruise about? Oh,
1: God, I will never do that. I'm significantly bigger than Tom Cruise. I will crush a couch by just looking at it too heavily. But what I'm very, very, very enthusiastic about is... And it should be a surprise to no one. Um, well, it probably is if you don't know who I am. Anyway, fanfic. And how... You know, like, every time I think, like, we've reached... The end of fanfic. Like, I've, I've read all fanfic. I I finished AO3. Close that tab. It's not true. There is always an abundance of, of writers and a, just a nonstop stream of creativity and imagination and the ability to take an established canon world and expand upon it or turn it on its head and I just—it blows my mind constantly how there are people willing and interested in in writing fic for free, just doing it because they get a thrill out of it, and then they get a following, or you know, even if they they don't, they just keep at it, and it, it just—it's constantly inspiring to see people pursuing this because I I, I I've talked before about how. It infuriates me that fanfic writers are seen as less than other writers. They're not, you know, just because you're working with established material doesn't make you any less creative or or your work any less interesting. In fact, I think it takes quite a bit of of intelligence and um, good writing to take something established and continue it using the voices of these characters who are already very well known. Because and, and that's the thing that really gets me. It's reading something and imagining it as as if it could be canon. Because the writer did such a good job of capturing the important elements of what makes this world and these characters who they are and what they are. And you know, for me, one of the, the funniest and most frustrating, but also most exciting things is when I forget whether something is or isn't canon. Where I'm like, wait. But well, You know, I'm watching the, a show or like reading a book, and I'm like, wait, why are they doing this? Didn't they already? Oh, wait, no, that wasn't this fic that I read. <laughs> like your your wires just get crossed, and you're like, right, that wasn't a fic. That was not real. Or as Dean would would say, or maybe Sam would say, like um, you're confusing reality with porn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're confusing reality with fanfic again, Carla. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> But I, I'm so excited to be able to say that, that I do that constantly because the writing out there is so good. And I mean, like, most of the the fic that I've read has been for Supernatural. And I, I I really will stand by this in saying that Supernatural has some of the absolute best fic writers out there. Like, that fandom is replete with just amazing talent. And even though other other fandoms are not you know quite the same? I still think that the enthusiasm for the writing is is heartening, and it makes me so happy to constantly have something new to like. Fish out of a pond of you know like I ran out of episodes. What can I do now? Oh, I know! I'll read Fick. This is great for free. Yeah, that's the
0: part to remember. People are doing this for free. <laughs> Yeah, And spending hours and hours of their free time to do this for free. So remember that. That's why kudos and leaving comments means so much to people that do this.
1: I I stopped writing a long while ago. And the last The Mindy Project fanfic that I wrote was like like six years ago, something like that. And still, every now and then I'll get a kudos and it just makes my day. So leave kudos, you know, show a fanfic writer some love. It's always appreciated.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, and we definitely will have to talk about fanfic again at some point. We did an episode about fanfic. We did cover one fanfic. Um, don't kill me, please. I can't remember. All of a sudden my brain is failing me. Car- Carla, don't kill me, but go ahead.
1: 91 Whiskey. The best uh, that's still fanfic out there.
0: That's still our most popular live stream we've ever done, ever. It's not our most popular episode, but it's our most popular live stream we've done and I did recently, speaking of that, actually, I did recently get a private DM from a new listener who thanked me for talking about that fanfic because they're like, nobody ever talks about fanfic.
1: Oh my Although gosh, that's
0: awesome. there are podcasts that talk specifically about fanfic, but it was still nice to hear that. And then um, I know when we did our Go Become a Patreon supporter for as little as three bucks a month, and you'll be able to hear this yourself. But when we recorded our special bonus episode talking about the Winchester, speaking of supernatural. Meg brought that up too, that we should do another fanfic episode, and we definitely do need to do one at some point. I don't know if it'll be just Patreon or what, uh, but I did want to share that. Speaking of the kudos and the feedback, you know, I still get kudos for my fanfic as well, and I haven't written any fanfic in a long time, like years, just like Carla. And the a few weeks ago, and I can't remember the Twitter user, and I'd have to go back way far, but. Another podcast was asking people to share their handles at from AO3, Archive of Our Own, if they wanted to, and their work. And I shared mine. And I, I'm pretty sure this is why this happened. And the next day, every like 10, 20 minutes or so, because I have a series, Dean Winchester in therapy, I would get a notification in my email with a new comment from someone who was reading it. And that was like day changed. So that's why I say to do that because it was like, oh, it's it's validating that that work you did means something to somebody because you're not doing it for money. So because you're not making any money. <laughs> so yeah, so definitely leave those because um, both Carla and I can attest to the fact that it really does make your day when you see kudos or notes. Because people will take time to leave negative feedback for things People will very rarely take time to leave positive feedback, which is very sad. So do that. And also, I want to say, and this goes for every person that is on my panel today, if you love our podcasts, that's the other place to leave that. Please, please leave us five-star reviews and comments because people are ready to, you know you know, leave us all the nasty feedback they want to, or I'm not saying that happens constantly. I'm just saying that people are ready to do that more than they are to leave comments or compliments, but it also helps us. So if you want to help us for free, that's a great way to do it. And also sharing episodes. So please do that for all three of us. That would be lovely. We love you. We love our listeners. Okay. So Echelle, what has got you excited or upset?
2: Yeah, well, I'm telling you what's got me feeling feelings. Okay? Some good and some bad, and we can kind of talk through this because I was just thinking about it today and I was like, I'm going to bring this up on the on the podcast. So, I'm going to call it this like reactionary responsibility. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but what so I I'm usually always talking about books when I'm on here, even when that is not what I'm on here to talk about. I am usually always talking about books because I'm a big reader. And I love books, um and I recently launched a new book business, and so I'm like learning all this stuff about being in the book world and so something that I'm seeing over there because a lot of what I do is uh, books about diversity and exclusion, so and inclusion I'm sorry, and so all of my characters are you know some type they're they're queer characters or there's something like that that's going on with all the characters in my book and so what I've been seeing being in that world is there is um so, for example, especially in the indie side of things, something that's very popular right now is M.M. Romance or Achillean Romance, whichever phrase you want to use for it. And a lot of that is written by cisgendered straight women. Um, and I think, you know, as a creator, um, all of us are creators in different ways. You create all kinds of worlds and all kinds of characters. So I'm not saying you can't create that. But then something that I'm seeing with that is they will build this audience based on writing these stories that are very popular right now. And then something will come out where it's like, oh, we saw on Twitter where you support all these like super conservative, Republican, very red ideals and people, but that doesn't line up with these characters that you're writing. And so actually you're supporting things in your real life that would be harmful and detrimental to the characters that you're putting in front of us just because you know that's popular right now. It's going to make you a lot of money. And so then what's happening is like, oh, that's not what I was trying to do and I'm so sorry. And. And then also with that is because a lot of other companies like book box companies, I'm a book box company, they feature these different authors. And so what I'm what I've seen is a book box company will have this feature with this author lined up and then something like that comes out and then they go and they say, oh, we need to go back to the drawing board and decide if we're going to feature this person. And then they will launch this like um sensitivity committee and we want people to join our sensitivity committee. And while I think that's a good thing to me, that feels very reactionary, that responsibility that you're taking, you're taking that after the fact when I'm like, you probably should have looked at this first. (laughs) And because I do think that that's something that happens where we separate the characters that we just fall in love with from the very real life versions of those people. And that's something that I want to be very aware of that and very sensitive to that. And I don't really see, I guess I am seeing that issue but it's all very reactionary that's what i'm trying to say like for example there was another book box they did a pride um themed box well all, none of the writers were own voice writers none of the money from it went to any kind of queer foundation or charity or anything like that and so i was like is this really a pride box <laughs> if you know if i said i was doing a black lives matter thing and it only benefited you know, some a white owned company, is that really a black a Black Lives Matter box? Even if let's say I had, you know, something in there that was featured black characters, but none of it was constructed by by an own voice. And so that's just something I've been very sensitive to lately and just have a lot of feelings about that type of, yes, you're being responsible, but it feels very reactionary. And so I don't know if I can trust it because I feel like you should have thought about this before. So that's kind of what is on my mind lately.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people do, um, and kind of on, the, on that realm, I don't know if this kind of helps you, but I know a lot of fanfic writers as well, are a lot of them are women, and a lot of them do write a lot of queer stories, and they're not all queer. A lot of them aren't, and a lot of what people get accused of, and it is true for some people, I do think this is true, that it's a fetish. It's, they're fetishizing this. And if you are, like you said, if you're writing in that and you're not part of that group and you're not doing anything to benefit that group except for writing this where you're really benefiting yourself, is that doing more harm than good? It should it not be amplified? Yeah, it's a very, yeah,
2: yeah, it's a very little interesting thing there because, like I think that it's totally fine to write what what you love, but it is an interesting thing when it becomes when it crosses over into that fetish thing and when it doesn't benefit that community. In any way, and also this, I was watching this video by this other author, and she said someone had called her out because of one of the characters in her book. I think she uses like stereotypes and um, some cultural experiences and cultural language that were not for true to her, you know, lived experience. They were supposed to be with this character, and someone called her out on it. And she was like, so, she's like, I, re- I did all my research. I went on Google and I researched as much as I could. I'm like, that's not, Google. <laughs> that's, that's not, um, no, like if you're. I, I watch
1: four YouTube videos. For I don't real, know what the problem for real.
2: is. <laughs> it's just like, that's, this, that doesn't count. It's not how you do that. And um, so anyway, I do feel like it's something worth exploring for people to look into and say, okay, if I'm going to write something that is not my own personal experience, how do I do that in a way that is beneficial to the people that I'm, that I'm writing about.
0: Yeah, and also making sure that you writing about it isn't stepping over somebody in the community who could have their voice heard over yours. It's, I mean, it's the stuff that you struggle with with movies and television right. as well. So mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah, because that's the other thing. Like because that that type of uh, that specific genre is dominated by straight white women. <laughs> the MM romance yeah. genre is dominated by straight white women, and so it's like even though I have a great story and I have the ability to tell the story, should I maybe step to the side and let somebody else tell this, you know? And I feel, like, and I know a lot of people might not want to hear that. And a lot of people may, you know, have uh, strong opinions against that, but I just feel like that question should at least be asked. Am I the best vehicle to tell this story um, when someone else might be more qualified to tell it? And I could be stealing their spot at this table because, yeah. Its occupied by people who look like me and vote like me and, and identify like me. Mhm
0: Yeah, I think that's that's the best question to ask right there. Yeah, because I mean, it, it, it happens, and I know even like, like, um, I, I, kind of in the same reign here as I <laughs> um, the creators of the horror movie Megan, Megan has become like this huge, huge thing among LGBTQIA+ in, in that community. And the people who created it said, Well, I think it's because the movie is about outcasts and finding a found family, and a lot of people in the community don't have a family. And all these people can answer, That's not why. It's because she is just like, she's just like someone we would consider an icon. She's kind of like, um, I don't remember how they, I can't remember the exact words they used, but they were like, that actually isn't why it, you're obviously not speaking to us and finding out from us why we actually love this movie. It's not because of the reasons you're saying it's not that deep why we love this movie. So it's like, so it's that thing of like, well, we Googled instead of we talked to the community, <laughs> you know, for, for writing a book, why would you Google instead of be like, that to me tells me that they have no friends in yeah. that community.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can look at it and like it, but I feel like, yeah, you, mm -hmm. I I, I 100% agree. It's, I like this and I want to be a part of that. And so here's my little way to get in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Great. Great, great topics from both of you. But I was going to say that I was into the Oscars, but then yesterday, Fangoria announced their 2023 Chainsaw Awards, which if you didn't know, you can vote on these. I'll put the link in the show notes. And these are 10,000 times better, I think, than the Oscar nominations. Frankly, they're a lot more interesting. And yes, this is for horror. But once again, horror deserves a lot more damn respect than it gets, okay? It is telling a lot of really deep, deep stories and with a lot of meaning behind them. And also fun stories. There's a lot of wonderful, amazing performances. And everything. And so these were a lot more exciting to me. You know, you had a a lot of nominations for Nope, you had nominations for Pearl, for Barbarian. And then also just as a shout out to our friend of the pod to Josh Rubin. Josh Rubin was nominated as one of the people for best performance. And A Wounded Fawn was also nominated in several other categories as well. And they also nominated, uh, you know, littler movies like Terrifier 2 and then, you know, just littler horror films um, and horror films in general that won't get any respect from the Academy. You know, this was the only one of the only places I ever saw nominating what I thought was one of the best performances of the last year. And that was Taylor Russell and Bones and All. And they nominated her in Best Performance. And then also Mia Goth, who really should have been nominated for an Academy Award for Pearl or X, but mainly Pearl. And she was nominated. And so I'm just shouting them out because I think not only because there's horror there, but I think there's actually a bigger range of diversity in who they're nominating. So it's like, uh, it just, yeah. And, and people are probably also going to maybe look down on them because viewers can vote for these, but still the nominees are incredible. So I mean, really, I don't think you'd be losing out on voting for really any of these, frankly. So yeah. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to them. And again, congratulations to Josh Rubin, because you that was well-deserved. You were absolutely fantastic in a wounded fawn. So you can go watch our full thoughts on that, Carla and I's full thoughts on that. On our live stream, only a special episode talking about a wounded fawn. It is spoiler filled, but we do warn you about that. And you can also listen to our live stream only discussion of Barbarian with me and Susie. And that is spoiler filled as well. Remember, you don't want to be spoiled for that movie. So go back and listen to those. So for our main topic, if you don't know uh, the Razzie nominations, the Razzie award nominations, they always come out the day before the Oscar nominations. And this year, they nominated a twelve-year-old actress. I was trying to decide if we should even name the actress. I'll ask my my panelists how they feel about. I mean, everybody knows, but I
1: no, I, I don't think that that uh, we need to add to the dog pile just because it exists. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. The reactions to when the Razzies took away the nomination because people were outraged when this twelve-year-old actress was nominated. This isn't the first time. The Razzies have nominated a kid at all. They've done this tons of times. I mean, that Razzies have been around since 1981, March 31st, 1981. And they have nominated underage actors. And I'm naming them now because they're all um, adults now. Um, they nominated Gary Coleman at the age of 14 in 1982. They nominated uh, Macaulay Culkin for three performances. Yes, I'm going to leave those other ones out, but you can look them up because there's a bunch of other actors that they've nominated uh, for these. And now um, because of social media, this is one of the positive aspects of social media. When they nominated this actress, who, it, who I want to say she is an absolutely fantastic actress, frankly, but it doesn't matter. She's a y- young kid and she's a child actress. And to nominate her for what it really institute saying you're a horrible actress and a way to make fun of someone to tease someone to hurt them to bully them and then to have other people bully and you know pile on and it's one thing to critique things it's another thing to do something just so you can be a bully and just so you can give somebody a hard time and tell them they're worthless basically and when you're a young kid you're a young kid that's going to feel a lot different. I'm not saying it's okay with adults either, but it's going to feel different than when you're an adult and you're already in a business that is so hard for kids because you're being judged and ridiculed and your peers make fun of you. And, you know, you have a hard time just leading a quote unquote normal kid life and all that stuff. And, The Razzies this time, because of the backlash on social media, they did withdraw the nomination. They came out with an apology. Uh, They said now they have instilled a rule that no one under 18 is allowed to be nominated. But what I saw, which was more troubling in a way, and that's that's why this is troubling, sorry, is I saw when they retracted this, so many people saying well then she shouldn't be in this business if she can't handle it she needs to get tougher skin and i'm like i was going back and forth with one person until i said this isn't even worth it and i said you realize you're talking about a kid you are talking about a kid you are not talking about an adult even though i still think that phrasing is really ridiculous and that's why there were so many times when people didn't come forward about sexual harassment and sexual assault was because of that very phrasing but you're talking about a kid who may not we don't know if she wanted to be in this business or not. We don't know her story, but I, you know, they're like, because could, she could just leave. I'm like, oh, she's a kid. What the hell aren't you getting about this? And why is it okay to do this to anyone but to a kid? Which it's not, spoiler alert. But we did a poll asking, should they just get rid of the Razzies? Because I, know we're, I don't think I know anyone that likes these. Um, well, we do have one listener did vote. No, they shouldn't get rid of them. But- for the most part, people voted yes. So I want to know, um, Carla, do you? What do you think about all of this? And do you think they need to get rid of the rassies?
1: Well, starting with the angle of you know talking about children, I I don't think that it's ever acceptable to, no matter what the child aspires to, to put them in an environment where their self esteem might be irreparably, or their sense of self might be irreparably damaged. And that's largely because kids don't have the tools to deal with a lot of this. Adults, and, you know, this is very broadly stated because it's not universal, but adults have more life experience and they have more, um, more time to build defenses against that, and I'll get back to that statement in a moment. But, but kids, it, it's especially the younger ones. It's it, uh, it's hard for them to bounce back from being told you're awful at something, or uh, especially when it's by your peers, and especially when those peers are much older than you, when they're adults, and they're telling you you're so bad at this, we're going to give you an award for how bad you are at this. Because then it doesn't really matter what anybody else is saying to you, that's the thing that's going to stand out. And think of it this way, coming back to the statement about adults, even as grown-ups, how clearly do you remember the last five great things that somebody said about you versus the five terrible things that somebody said about you? For most of us, it is much easier to internalize awful things that are mentioned about us than great things. And this is why I don't think that the Razzies need to exist at all. I don't think that it's necessary to put out there all of this. Criticism is valid. Bullying is not. Criticism does not mean that you have to require uh, a thick skin. Because what people really say when they say you need to have to to grow thicker skin, it means you need to not not have feelings. You're dealing with human beings. It does not matter how old they are. It doesn't matter what they've been through. Nobody is required to suppress their feelings because you think that you're being funny. And that's what, what a lot of these people think who say awful things about people. They think that they're being funny. If they don't think that they're being funny, they're just being outright hurtful. The whole argument of, of like, oh, I'm just being sarcastic or, you know, like th- that's how I show my love is just by by, you know, I, I'm playing hard and you just need to be tougher about it. No, if somebody is upset about something that you said, you apologize and you learn how to do better. You don't tell them that they need to be stronger in reaction to your harmful actions and words when it comes to art any kind of art, any kind, music, photography, painting, movies, TV shows, mimes, I don't care what your art is. We're already struggling against harsh criticism from ourselves. We don't need external validation of our worst thoughts about ourselves. And not to sound all, well, golly gee, why can't we all just get along? But sincerely, why is it so difficult for people to be kind? I'm not saying that you have to be flattering to everybody. I'm not saying that you have to be insincere. If you sincerely don't like something, find a way to critique it that does not include ad hominem attacks. Because that, that's not criticism. That's just you being a jerk with a platform. And... Coming back to children, like I said, they're the least prepared to handle rejection and mockery, especially when it comes from adults, because to them, even I'm sure they have people in their corner saying, you know, don't listen to them. They're just, you know, they're rude people, they're mean people, they're doing this, but that it goes in one ear and out the other, because these are people who you look up to in, in a lot of cases who are saying, ha they're pointing at you and they're laughing why would we expect them to be able to move past that if some of us as adults can't? And by some of us, I mean a whole hell of a lot of us, because there are plenty of adults that I know who, when pressed, will admit, well, yeah, that it it did kind of make me feel bad growing up, having my mom calling me names, even though she says she was just kidding. And in my family, that's just how we do things. I didn't really like it, but you learn to roll with the punches. You shouldn't have to you know i'm I'm here to tell you, free yourself of the idea that you have to roll with the punches when the punches are unnecessary. Nobody needs to throw punches at you, whether it's your parent, your sibling, your cousin who comes over for Thanksgiving and likes to give you a hard time, giving you a hard time by the way b s they're just being mean, so no, the rass are not necessary if you want to have like a harsh discussion. Where you like make fun of somebody? That's what DMs are for. That's why you have friends. Oh, I'm sorry, you don't have friends, and therefore you created the razzies. Mm, maybe you re-examine your life. And ishel
2: you know, my thinking is like in the last couple of years, like have we not learned how psychologically, mentally, and emotionally messed up the general human society is, like? We are all way more fragile than I think some people realize, even the fact that we like to make fun of things and we like to see people get embarrassed. And we love to see things like the Razzies that make fun of all this junk. Even that should point to the fact that we're probably not all okay all the time, you know, and it's just to say like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, that's that's not that's not true at all. And, you know, when Aaron sent out what this was going to be about, I've I've heard the Furries Razzies before, but I didn't know that was a real thing. (laughs) I was like, is this like something on TV? Is it just an article in some newspaper? Like, what is this? So I had to Google it to see what it was. And I had never heard of this actress either. Well, now those two things are linked forever for me. And then, which is not necessarily a great thing. And then, um, you know, they did retract this and walk this back. But again, that's more of that reactionary responsibility that I was talking about later. It's like, oh, now you want to be responsible because you've gotten some negative some negative press about this when you've been doing this for years just by the few that Aaron named. And so it's like I don't I don't I don't believe you at this point. I don't trust you and I don't believe you. And um, you know, yes, she's a, a child and they shouldn't have done it for that reason. But really do we ever get to an age where our feelings can't be hurt anymore? My feelings can still be hurt. And I'm well over twelve years old. Um and and there are things that were said to me when I was twelve years old that carried into my adult life that affect what I do and don't do because I can't shake what was said or whatever joke was made way back then. And so I just feel like we need to be a lot more responsible about things like that and what we joke about and what we laugh about. I mean, all of us can watch a movie and say, I didn't like that movie. I thought their acting was not good. We can, But does there need to be a public platform for that that is not going to be helpful in any way? I mean, criticism is supposed to be helpful and not hurtful and hateful, (laughs) you know? And so I just really don't see the point of that. And then to have people say, you know, the comment section is always just like just hell. It's just like the ninth circle of hell in the comment section. But um, to have people saying, well, they need to get 10%. like that's not that's not first of all, that, that's not even a thing, you know, and and what does that help? What does that solve? Um, I mean, there are, you see actors in their fifties and their sixties who get negative reviews and go into a depression and then they're addicted to whatever, or, or they're doing all these weird things to their bodies or to their health to try to be better next time. And so I don't think you ever age out of not being affected by negative things that are said about you. And then just to become the butt of somebody's joke, especially now when that is everywhere, you know, back then, only if you were looking for it, and, you know, in the '80s. Only if you were looking for it, or if you just happened to be in the know, would you have known who was nominated for a Razzie or whatever. But now it's everywhere. You know, I don't. I didn't know what that was, but I still saw that because everything is just everywhere right now. And so it's even that much more damaging. I feel like now than it would have been back then. So you can keep your apology. You can keep your well. Now we have this rule. Okay, for 40 years it took you. It took you that long to realize. Hey, maybe we should nominate someone who is a minor. It took you that long. To figure that out you want me to believe that that's sincere so no I just I don't want it I don't want your apology you can keep it over there and um it's too late for me <laughs> for you to kind of fix what you did there and um to everyone saying we'll get out of there just like okay well okay sure yeah that, that's gonna work because you've never been impacted by that's something negative that was said about you and and you just let everything roll off of you and you know People can say whatever they want and do whatever they want to you and you don't care about it. Yeah, sure. That's that's how your life works. Sure, I believe that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've probably probably like have a laundry list of things that they are still trying to get over. And I think some people, when they have that, they turn it around and do this kind of stuff. So, um, you know, and and the thing with the Razzies is another criticism of them is the people that run these, you know, and, and it they were co-founded by UCLA film graduates and film industry veterans. John J. B. Williams and Mo Murphy, but they don't even watch some of these things. They don't even watch these things, and they nominate them because there are there's already so many critiques of the the movies. Like the movie this twelve year old actress was in was thought of and critiqued as I watched it, but as one of the worst movies of 2022. And this is what they do all the time. If a movie or a performance has already been critiqued by critics or a bunch of people are already bashing it, they just jump on that bandwagon instead of actually like doing some kind of – I don't think it's a good idea to have these anyway, but some kind of interesting critique. They're just jumping on a bandwagon. And they're also usually doing it if it's like big-named stars because they also want the clout from that. And they've had – celebrities come and actually pick up their Razzies, which do look like raspberries. And they've had celebrities actually come and get them. And so it's like, so that's why they do it, is the clout and the prestige, because they're not even watching some of these. And if you're not even watching some of them, how can you accurately even judge a performance?
1: You can't. That is so much worse, because that's just being mean for the sake of being mean. Like it's not even based on a genuine dislike of something. It's just because, Hey,
0: Finn has opinions too. <laughs> he's
1: very upset about this. He's not having it either. It's just because somebody has already done the work for you and you just want to be mean along with them. Mm-hmm. What the hell does that say about you?
0: Yeah. Ex- yeah, exactly. And you know, Macaulay Culkin tweeted out when they did their apology. He's like, well, where were you back when you did this to me a few times, not just once, but a few times when I was young. And it definitely has a lasting impact. Like I said, it's easier for people to criticize you than it is for people to build you up. And there's also, I think some, you know, I think people look at people that are in Hollywood or that are actors or that are famous to any degree as not human. They look at them as their feelings don't matter as much because they get to do this amazing job. They live these glamorous lives. They have all this money. So it doesn't matter if we criticize them because they should just take it because they should just be happy. They get to do what they love. And frankly, that's, that's bullshit. They're still human beings. It doesn't matter. They're still human beings. They should be judged on who they are as human beings, if you're going to go to the critiquing them, if they're awful, horrible, racist, eh, predators, stuff like that, yes, yes, critique them left and right. But if they are just doing their job and you don't happen to like them, you don't happen to like their performance, it's one thing to critique it, but to bully them and think that doesn't have any kind of effect on them, it doesn't matter if you're a child or an adult, it's going to have an effect on you. And when you're in that industry, that already is set up to hurt you over and over again. It just is. It's set up to hurt you because you are being critiqued left and right. And when you are an actor, you're also being critiqued left and right for your body. So it's not just for your work, for your body. So when you're in an industry already that is, even though there are positive sides to it, but it's set up in a way to already bully people. And then you're going to add on to that. That's kind of messed up, you know? And I mean, we've all, every single person I think has made fun of someone in some respect or done something like that. And hopefully you can learn from it, grow from it. But you don't create a whole award show around bullying somebody. It's just weird. It's just absolutely, it's just, that's not the thing. It's just weird. Why would you want to do that? Why do that except for that you were, ups- you're upset about something or you want that clap. That's the only reason, especially if you're not even watching the movies that you're nominating. It's like, okay, we're just going to jump on some mean bandwagon. So yeah. And stop telling people in this industry to get thicker skin. Stop it because they shouldn't have to get thicker skin, which like Ishel said, isn't even a thing in order to do something they love doing, if they love it. And, and this is, and remember when you're talking about a child, you're talking about a child. You're not talking about an adult, you're talking about a child. And you have no idea what this actor's life is like in real life. So you have no clue and you shouldn't because it's not your business, but you have no idea. So Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode, but I want to thank both Carla and Ishal for being on and for talking about this subject. And also I think this was, I loved hearing the other things too that people were into and excited about. So thank you both again. And so I'll have them both close out and tell me where they can be found and their amazing podcast,
1: Carla. Thank you, Aaron. You can find Bedwet or Behead wherever you get your podcasts these days. Uh, you can find our podcast Twitter, where we currently just retweet stuff and occasionally tweet stuff when we have new episodes at Bedwet Pod. On Instagram, we are bed.wet.behead.pod. Other social media, look for us as Bedwet or Behead Podcast. Regardless of whether or not we are active, you should follow us just for funsies. Because one day we might be active, and it could be the best content you've ever seen, and you'll miss it, and you'll be so sad. We don't want you to be sad. And if you want to follow me and my art and my musings, look for me on Instagram at carlatemis, or my website, carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S dot com.
0: Head that time. Just head. (laughs) (laughs) Follow along for all the ways I... (laughs) I do Carla's Carla's website. (laughs) Erin does Carla's website.
1: (laughs) That's for Fand and Think Pod at night. Yeah. After dark.
0: (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) So, Isha, where can they find your podcast?
2: You can find us at Liberty Diner Dish. I co-host that with my lovely boo, one of my best friends named Ken. Um, And it should be streaming everywhere. We are on, I believe, I'm told we are on social media platforms (laughs) as Liberty Diner Dish, except on Twitter where we are Diner Dish. We have a very great and lovely third invisible member named Chrissy who runs all of our social media stuff. So I don't even know what happens over there. (laughs) We've been on a short hiatus just coming back from the holiday and trying to link our schedules back up. But we have new episodes launching on Liberty Diner Dish very soon. And that one we cover. That's an after show commentary for Queers Folk. But we also have the sister podcast, which is Pink Plate Special. And we cover a lot of other um LGBTQIA plus shows and movies over on that one. So you can find us on either one of those.
0: Awesome. Thank you so, so much. And of course we will be talking about Queers folk again this year, uh, during Pride month. And shall will be back and in- hopefully, Ken, hopefully I really I mean, really- you
2: like cursed <laughs> him every single year. So we'll <laughs> We'll see if the tradition continues, or if he like actually makes it on the show for the whole time this
0: time. I know. Even when I came on, came on ours, I've been on Liberty Diner Dish a few times talking about Brian. And even when I came the last time, he
2: (laughs) there (laughs) were still issues. (laughs) I'm like, it's me. (laughs) Yeah, he had like this appointment he had, and that was like the only time he could do it. And then. We had him all set up to be on and it just sounded like an exorcism the whole time when he was talking. (laughs) I don't know what Aaron has against Ken. I mean, he is the sweetest, kindest person in the world. So Aaron, I don't know what you have against him, but can you please stop cursing my (laughs) co-host?
0: I'll try. I have nothing against him. I was so disappointed. So I'm determined that we will have Ken on here. (laughs) I'm determined it's going to happen. If it means I'm not on. No, (laughs) no. It's going to happen. Yes. Uh, well, and um, you can, this is Aaron. you can follow me on Twitter, but I don't know why you want to because all I do is retweet stuff now because I, Twitter is so dang depressing now. It's so sad to me. But uh, it's E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok and it's a fandom thing pod. I'm still gonna continue to push Christian Bale's John Bon Jovi audition because we are determined this project is gonna happen. We aren't even joking, this is gonna happen. So come on, movie producers. Come on.
1: <laughs> They're practically twins.
0: Yes. I mean, yes, I know there's an age difference if you're gonna do a biopic, but there's technology. Age Christian down. <laughs> <laughs> go do this. And if you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom And also remember we ha- our 2022 fandom choice awards are coming up on February 19th. These are all about kindness. So this is not about bullying. <laughs> um, but if you want to vote, In those, please do. You don't have to vote in every category, by the way. And I know people have already figured it out with the ballots we've gotten. And it's been very interesting because there are some pretty tight ones. I'm wondering if we're going to have some ties. But go to the link in the show notes and vote for your favorites. And on our next episode, I'll say again how many things, how many ones Carla has been nominated for and how many you shall, because I totally forgot to calculate that when introducing her. Oh, I failed. I'm sorry. No, I know it's not just one, Isha. It's not just one. It's not just one nomination. You have been nominated for more than one. <laughs> She's like, no, just one. No, you've been nominated for more than one. This
1: is not the time for modesty. <laughs> yeah, This yeah. is the time for unbridled pride. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes, you're- <laughs> Okay, two. I have two. <laughs> more than two. More than two, <laughs> but we I will announce that on our next ones, cause I'm sorry. I totally screwed that up. Sorry. And then I'll announce again how many Carla has because just because Carla has been nominated for a lot, which she deserved deserves all of them. So <laughs> <laughs> see, see, bask in it. bask in it. bask in that that positivity. Bask in the positivity. See, you should, I should just edit out the thing where it just says how many nominations both of you have, been, have received. And then if you're feeling down, you just go back and play them. Um, but anyway, we will, <laughs> on our next episode, we are kicking off our Black History Month with a look at Aaliyah. And I want to let you know our whole Black History Month is focused on women. This time I decided we should do that. So after that one, we're doing Beyonce right now. It's just and I keep meaning to DM Carla this, and for some reason I haven't. It. But it's just Carla and I on that one. And then we're gonna be talking about Regina King, and that is gonna be Carla, Ishelle, and Tiff. And then we are gonna. <laughs> 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 they both have been pointing to this as me. <laughs> And then we're going to round things off with a look at Angela Bassett. And that is going to be Carla and Tiff for now. I don't know if anyone else will be joining. So I am really looking forward to this. So I hope you are as well. And until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black lives matter and stop Asian hate.